some soccer! I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking thing sucks. I was happy in the haze of a drunken hour. But heaven knows I'm miserable now. Hello, hello. Welcome to Open Wide for some soccer. My name is Seth Vertelny. Alongside me, Pablo Maurer and Thomas Floyd, kind of. Thomas, come in. Are you there? I am here. I am coming to you from Arlington, where I am snowed in by the one-inch dusting we have in D.C. Thomas, your voice sounds so lifelike. <laughs> sounds like you're in the room almost. Thomas, much like spirit. <laughs> much like uh, the DC Department of Transportation, Thomas forgot to plan ahead and was unable to make it. Thomas also does a lot of plowing, just like D Dot does. Mr. Plow. <laughs> uh, looks like we already have a. Ca- <laughs> How do we already have a caller? <laughs> it has been like four months since we've done a show. Someone's yeah, been waiting yeah. that long to call. Uh, They're going to be asking about DC Knight's first leg loss to the New York Rebels. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, 203, you're on open wide for some soccer. Uh, How can we help you? 203, come in. All right. Fuck you, then. (laughs) Well, it's been four months since we've done a show, but the phone lines still don't work. (laughs) Uh, 203, if you can hear me, we can't hear you. Just just give us a call back. Oh, or really? Oh, there oh, we go. Hey. hey, hey, 203, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, guys. Uh, how are you guys doing? Uh, good. Good just, to be back. Uh, getting back in the swing of things. Yeah. Uh, how can we help you? Oh, no. Uh, I was wondering if you guys are live so we could get um, ask questions as you um, t- tweeted. Yeah, we're, we're, you're live right now. You're on the air. AMA. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Hey, guys. Um, just so... Um, just a question I've recently, uh, I don't know if you guys have uh, answered this in the past few um, weeks or so, but following the, um, the Ballon d'Or ceremony a couple of weeks ago, one, do you think that this is the last time we see um, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo on the, on, the, um, on the podium for top three? And two, who do you think is the heir apparent for the uh, next best player in the, in the um, best player of the world? Do you think it's Neymar or do you think it's someone else? Well, I'll, I'll take that. Um, I, I, I think it By could. the way, uh, 203, appreciate the call. Thank you. Off the, off the bat, we go with some, some European stuff. Uh, I, I, I'm going to make a bold prediction and say this is the last time we see Cristiano Ronaldo in the top three of the Blondor. I think you're starting to see him finally start to plateau. You know, he's 30 years old, getting to the point where he might have had his best years behind him. Uh, Lionel Messi, still in his prime, started to pick up a few injuries here and there, but I don't think this is the last time that uh, that he's going to win a Ballon d'Or. He's still 27 years old, maybe just turned 28. Um, I mean, I think, we're, I think we all know who the heir apparent here is. I mean, is this a joke? Yeah, right. Um, once he finally gets off of Arizona United, <laughs> gets into a, a little bit more of the spotlight... Um, but really, it's probably Neymar, right? Yeah, I mean, in my completely uneducated opinion, yeah, sure. If it's not Lontan, it's Neymar. Yeah, well, thanks for your uneducated opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. It's been it's been a while. A little rusty. <laughs> a little rusty. I, I mean, 
I, 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 what, what has been happening? Feel, with just it? feels strange without Thomas here. Um, What's happened with I'm us? I'm here, guys. No, you're not. You're not. <laughs> Jesus. So my dad used to tell me when he called me on business trips, <laughs> but he was never there. Okay. All right, this is getting therapeutic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what should we talk about, guys? It, it has been a long time. Um, why don't we do some DC United talk later in the show? I think there's a lot of MLS and now, just as of a couple of days ago, U.S. national team chatter that we can uh, we can dive into. Yeah, uh, big props to Benny Philhaber for huge, huge props. giving us something to talk about. Philhaber finally in the just completely has given up on being on the national team, so now he can just put Klinsman on blast mode. Yeah, and I think that Philhaber, although it's become pretty clear that he's not going to get called up under Jurgen Klinsman, he still didn't have to go out there and, and say what he did. Uh, you know, whether it was the right move or the wrong move uh, is a matter of opinion, but it's certainly interesting for us to talk about. And I think that, you know, his form for so long has dictated getting called up, but there's clearly a little bit more than that going on here. And uh, I think, you know, maybe once we get a little bit more into uh, what Jurgen's responses, we'll, we'll have a little bit more of an answer or might not come until after Jurgen leaves the team. But certainly, uh, Benny Failhaber making his thoughts and displeasure with Klinsman's selections, particularly his failure to select Benny Failhaber, uh, making that pretty clear. Let's, uh, let's just recap exactly what Benny said here. This to me was a standout quote. Uh, Based on what I see, I think that Jurgen takes some players in MLS and uses the fact that they're in MLS to maybe not call them up or whatever. You look at some of the top players that played this year, you take a Sasha Kleschen, you take Dax McCarty, you take a Matt Hedges, and I'm sure you can go on and on, and these guys aren't getting an opportunity. So it's not just me. Uh, there's certain people like that, but there's also people in Europe as well. I, I can name a lot of guys. Uh, I don't know some of the younger guys, but in Eric Lehigh for, Lehi, for example, he's been playing well in Europe for countless years, and he hasn't really been given an opportunity either. So there's guys in MLS, there's guys in Europe who don't get opportunities with Jurgen for whatever reason. And then he went on to say that he, he doesn't, that Klinsman just doesn't do his job in that respect, that it's his job to not only to sort of foster the next generation, but more importantly almost just to pick the best team at any, on any given day. It's really interesting to me that Failhaber went out of his way to discuss McCarty, Hedges, Kleschen, Eric Lehigh, uh, that he took the emphasis off himself, even though he is probably the highest profile national team snub right now, and you know made it clear that he is in tune with what a lot of the soccer community is saying and asking about why these players aren't getting call-ups. And that, to me, is why this is really resonating. Phil Hobbers not the first player to complain about not getting a call-up, but the fact they went to bat for all of these other guys is what makes this really interesting. He went as far with Dax as to specifically say that he could help Michael Bradley be a better player. You know, that he thought the two would pair very well. So, yeah, I mean, he kind of got the feeling that he was basically waiting for media day all offseason. <laughs> Yeah, I, the the thing about what he's saying with the other players, I think he has a valid point with some of these guys, but I also think that he knows that if he's out there just criticizing Klinsman for not calling him up, 
and him alone that it's really going to look like sour grapes. Whereas now he can sort of frame it as, look, it's not just me. I'm not just upset about me not getting called in. There's all these other people that could help the team. I'm paying attention for the te- to the team and looking out for the team as a whole. The thing is, is it's valid though, right? Like I agree that it's calculated on his part to make it not seem like he's overly selfish, but the guys he's talking about have legitimate cases to be with the national team. Why is Matt Hedges, MLS Defender of the Year finalist, young, strong center back, not getting a look with the national team? Why is Dax McCarty, who's in the prime of his career, coming off a best 11 season, not getting a look as they really are testing options to be the new D-mid partner for Michael Bradley. It's, uh, it, it is very interesting to me that there's this sense within players, within a guy like uh, Benny Failhaber, that Klinsman has almost an irrational dislike for certain players, as Failhaber would lead you to believe. Yeah, and I think that one argument I've seen out there that I don't buy is that Phil Haber is too old now. You know, he's 30. He's very much in the prime of his career, coming off probably the best season of his career. I mean, if you're talking about something like Jermaine Jones still being in the picture, obviously Phil Haber's plenty capable of being in the picture at that age. Right, 100%. And again, I think that people take the long view when it comes to the national team when it's you know, three years away from a World Cup, two and a half years, whatever. But the national team still wants to win games now. It still wants to do well in World Cup qualifying. It still wants to do well in the Cope of America. And so, yes, you want to bring in young players and see how they fit in at the international level. But at the same time, if you have a guy who's so obviously ready to take that step up to the national team and help like a Benny Failhaber, like a Matt Hedges or Dax McCarty. It's strange to not see them in there. I just want to want to point out we got a tweet that says that Chris Rolfe is stuck in his car on 395. Now I've reached out to Chris Rolfe and asked that he calls in. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, no promises, you know. To, to quickly jump back on the, the Failhaber discussion, it's also interesting because Klinsman got so much praise for taking players in the last cycle like Kyle Beckerman, Chris, Chris Wondolowski, Brad Davis, guys who had not been a part of the national team setup and were in the uh, latter part of their careers, you know, late 20s, early 30s by the time the World Cup arrived, and still gave them a chance to contribute, still gave them a chance to go to the World Cup. Failhaber, McCarty, these are guys who fall right into that age range, and Klinsman isn't giving them a chance now, and he's really emphasizing the youth. And I, I'm just curious what the logic is there, what he has seen out of these specific players that he doesn't like. Yeah, speaking of youth that Jurgen has emphasized, uh, Jordan Morris, a guy who's been in the news a lot over the last week or so, uh, leaves college, says he's going pro. Looks like he's a shoo-in to sign with the Sounders as a homegrown. He has the uh, biggest homegrown offer in MLS history. He's just sitting on the table waiting for his signature. Uh, but Jurgen and uh, Andy Herzog, former Werder Bremen player himself, steer him to a trial at Werder Bremen 
And uh, by all accounts, he does really, really well there. He uh, earned himself a contract offer from Warder Bremen, but uh, in the end, it appears that he has chosen Seattle, even though he had an offer from a uh, Bundesliga team. Uh, do you guys think that he made the right decision? Uh, I don't. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Everything you can watch on ESPN, you can now live... <laughs> I'd like to thank the autoplay video on ESPNFC.com for doing that. It's <laughs> not the first time that's happened to us. Uh, you know, I always, I always sort of like have a hard time weighing in on these, uh, these decisions. You know, you sort of like, you know, just it, 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 with with zero involvement in the situation, or trying to tell a kid fresh out of college, you know, what what to do. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, would he have played as much at Werder Bremen? I mean, I think obviously he's going to get good minutes at Seattle. You know, like. I think what you have to really think about is, you know, is this genuinely going to affect his standing with a national team? I mean, certainly, uh, certainly, you know, Klinsman and Herzog were trying to push him to go abroad, but, you know, uh, then today, you know, to ESPN, Klinsman says he's perfectly happy with his decision and supports it and thinks Seattle's a good fit and blah, 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 you know. Yeah, well, I mean, what... what Affects your your standing with the national team more than anything, unless you're Ventura and Alvarado is, is whether playing you're time. <laughs> yeah, playing oh. time. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, that yeah. too. Um, no, and, and and I think that Werder Bremen, although it is a Bundesliga team, is not a very ideal situation for a player coming in. First of all, it's mid-season, so you have a team that already kind of knows each other. And you're bringing in uh, a new player from overseas and trying to throw him into the mix. Second of all, they're currently in the relegation zone. Uh, So coaches generally don't like to incorporate brand new players into a relegation fight. Now, I have to admit, I'm not completely familiar with how good Border's forward line is. And if you bring in Jordan Morrison, he's so much better than what they have, then the coach isn't going to hesitate to play him. But it's it's not an ideal situation, and you could very well end up with if he if he had signed there, you know, in uh, nine months he could be starting his career in the German second division, and that probably isn't ideal for his development. So, I mean, despite uh, MLS not being quite up to the standard, you know, Seattle in that in that. It, when you look at it that way, isn't exactly the worst option for him. It is what it is. Cannot change it anymore. <laughs> Although Seattle, and, and this is looking very short term, they have a lot of players at his positions. They have Dempsey, they have Martins, they have Valdez. Uh, if you consider Morris an option as a winger, then he's competing with someone like Ivan Sheets. And I wonder where he's going to fit in, who's going to be the odd man out with all of those talented attackers uh in seattle yeah definitely i don't think playing time is is a guarantee probably would be on most teams but like you mentioned still make the argument that i think he gets more time in seattle than he does abroad oh yeah for sure but i feel like if you're going to mls you want to be like a 90 minute guy whereas in i mean i i I i sort of feel like maybe that's those are the kind of conversations he had with them i mean i think you know like I think I think certainly he's probably be assured, been assured not maybe not that he'll start but you know that he'll certainly have a crack at a starting spot or get significant minutes. I don't think he'd have gone there if that wasn't the case. Right. 
Yeah, it's. I also am curious to see if Schmid perhaps goes to a formation change, maybe a four-three-three to uh, fit all these guys on the field. Yeah, another interesting aspect of this Morris situation is, by all accounts, it seemed like Morris was pretty much dead set on signing with Seattle right from the moment he said that he was leaving Stanford, and he was sort of nudged by Klinsman and by Andy Herzog to this Werder Bremen trial. Uh, it was pretty clear that they wanted him to, if not outright, just go to the Bundesliga no matter what, at least get an opportunity to see his options. And I'm wondering if this is a situation where Klinsman is kind of alienating himself even more from the powers that be at MLS. You know, we had an opportunity to... Is that even possible? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if Morris would have signed in Werder Bremen, I think that probably would have happened. Um, you know, we, we had an opportunity to ask Don Garber about that at the draft last week. And um, Garber, who, of course, has a little bit of a, a history with, with Klinsman, uh, took the high road in this situation, basically said that, you know, it's their right as the Federation to make sure that their players get to see every option before they make any decisions. Um, but I still wonder how much this is going to further damage that relationship. Thomas. <laughs> Uh, that's a, uh, a good question. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't a hundred percent paying attention because I'm doing a little work here. Mm. So I'll let you guys take so, that one. So just, uh, tell, us, it, tell it, us about something funny that happened to you this week. Yeah. Thomas, tell us, tell us anything right now. <laughs> yeah. No, just tell us anything. Yeah. I just want to hear your voice. What happened? I went to Chipotle for the first time in a few weeks to uh. not get E. coli. So does that does the uh, so for those of you who don't know Thomas is a, a Chipotle addict basically now uh, does the and Thomas did you hear they're going to be closed on February eighth for an entire day entire day I heard there's just the lunch hour oh, I've been I looking did. into this story your sources are probably better than mine on this um, <laughs> uh, Thomas does the E coli does the Chipotle E coli scare like does that change your attitude about eating there at all or not no. <laughs> The, the the interesting thing about this is that I think for a lot of people, it's actually been a big positive because the lines have gone down significantly at Chipotle. Com- completely. Although Seth and I have a, uh, we have like a secret Chipotle in D.C. where there's literally never a line. It's, it's incredibly clean. The portions are ridiculous. You can attest to this. Yes. And we're not going to tell you on the podcast. If you see us in person and ask us, we'll probably give you that information. But certainly I'm not going to disseminate that to everybody listening right now. Uh, anyways, I don't think people have waited three months to hear us talk about Chipotle. I don't think they've waited three months to listen to us talk about Jordan Morris either, really. Uh, Alexi Lawless is apparently <laughs> listening right now. Um, anyways, what's, uh, what else? What, what, you know, let's, let's, talk, let's, let's talk about MLS a little bit here. Um, it, it's been so long. Obviously, there have been tons of moves uh, league-wide. Thomas, I'm curious to get your input on this. Who, who do you think's had the best offseason to date? Uh, Toronto FC. The Clint Irwin, Drew Moore, Stephen Bathesher, adding a lot of stability and proven MLS players to that back line is a very un-TFC thing to do, and therefore is probably a wise way to go about it. You know, uh, if, I, if... I just... 
I just really like what they've done to solidify that unit. You know, if you got a trophy for the best offseason, Toronto <laughs> FC's cabinet would be full right now. Dude, they'd be a three-time three defending champion at this point. <laughs> we got to name that award somehow. <laughs> the, the, the TFC Memorial Best Offseason Award. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Followed by the TFC Most Disappointing Regular Season Award. Am, am I the only one? I don't know. Everybody was sort of celebrating Toronto FC's move to get Clint Irwin. Am I the only one who thinks that he's just kind of meh as a starting goalkeeper yeah, in MLS? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I, I was, I was under... a big upgrade for TFC. I'd... Of course, yeah. This might finally be the year that they actually qualify for the play... Like, that they qualify for the playoffs in the old MLS standard... I still just don't count last year. I mean, the only the only reason they qualified was because there were additional teams led into the playoffs. It is it is interesting though seeing Toronto FC go the uh, shrewd veteran pickup route this off season as the, opposed the to Dave the Dave Casper Ben Olsen technique. <laughs> Correct, but unlike uh, DC United, they they don't have north, to do that north, north of the border. Yeah. like we have we have six billion dollars to spend. We need a Davey Arno. <laughs> <laughs> Just get Davey Arno. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Drew Moore, Stephen Betasher, th- those are pickups right out of the, the Ben Olsen playbook. Yeah. Um, Thomas, who do you think's had the worst offseason? It's kind of kind of a tough one. You know what? Let's just let's just make this easier. How do you rate DC United's offseason so far? <laughs> Were those questions uh, related? Uh, <clears throat> um, DC United's offseason has been quiet, I'm interested in seeing what they have in store because it's, that's a strength, the strange thing with MLS is that you've got preseason starting just a month and a half after MLS Cup. Teams are still very much in progress in terms of shaping their roster for next for uh, the 2016 season. So I think the DC United we see uh, in late February when they open for CCL is going to look different than the team that's coming into camp. I expect them to have a little more punch in midfield. It seems clear that they understand they need some sort of creative presence in central midfield. And that's very much going to change the complexion of the team and how we look at their off season. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I guess there's been buzz about, uh, Potential acquisition of Leonardo Gill from Estudiantes, uh, obviously Argentine First Division uh, club. Not somebody who I'm incredibly familiar with, but uh, but supposedly a um, you know a central attacker. Would you say he's a student of the game? <laughs> An estudiante del partido. Sí. Yeah. Thank you, um, Thomas. Uh, we have a tweet here for you uh, from Zach Matthews. I cannot fathom how open wide for some soccer loves Chipotle when you have District Taco. Makes me question your analysis on everything. Uh, I know you have strong okay. feelings on that. Yes, I'm a massive District Taco fan. And uh, I simply have Chipotle more accessible to me, but I do think District Taco is superior. Really? Wow. Yeah, District Talk. I've had this conversation with... This has been one of our worst podcasts ever, by the way. (laughs) This has been one of our worst podcasts ever. We still have like 40 minutes to make sure that it is the worst podcast ever. We can make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really give a shit. (laughs) Anyways. Um, I've never been to District Taco. It's overrated. I mean, it's... uh, Thomas doesn't think so. Yeah, but Thomas eats Chipotle every day, so... (laughs) Well, that means that he makes wise culinary decisions. Anyways. Uh, Yo, Thomas, 
tell us, uh, yeah, tell us a, another MLS team before we get on to to, to more DC United stuff. Um, you know, we mentioned Toronto a little bit. Um, who's another MLS team that that stands out to you uh, for the off season that they've had up to this point? Whether it's good, good, good or bad, good or bad, yeah. yeah. I was just about to say, I like the way you word that question because my answer is the LA Galaxy. I don't know if it's good, but they've definitely been interesting. Uh, parting ways with Omar Gonzalez and Janino, bringing on uh, reportedly Ashley Cole and potentially Nigel DeYoung and uh, Van Damme as well. A lot of aging European stars to fill out this roster. It's interesting. It's not what I expected from the galaxy. It seems like it's a more archaic MLS uh, roster building technique that I'm surprised Bruce Arena is uh, using. And the fact that it is Bruce Arena is the only reason I'm not incredibly skeptical about it. But Arena has been so good at gaming the system and finding uh, bargains, which Ashley Cole amazingly seems like he might be a bargain because he's not even going to be a DP. So in that regard, I do have a certain amount of trust for what Bruce Arena is doing out there, but I'm not completely sold on it, so I'll definitely be watching them to uh, see how these offseason moves work out in 2016. I am, I am uh, just salivating at the sheer the level of sheer violence that uh, that Nigel De Jong is going to bring <laughs> to, to MLS. Yeah, he'd be, a, he'd be a great fit for MLS, right? You can karate kick people in the chest and it's just a warning from baldomero toledo uh all right we got a caller here 301 you're on open wide for some soccer how can we help you 301 are you there 301 you're on open wide for some soccer oh hello there you are how's it going man hey it's amir from dc (laughs) hey amir Amir? Uh, how can we help you um just wanted lots of DC United to get casting up on. We got a new logo. We got new stadium renderings. We got new leaked jerseys. Come on, let's get to it. All right, let's let's start with the logo. Uh, Thomas, thoughts? I think it's a fairly safe option. I'm not a big fan of the wings coming out of the badge, but everything else about it, I think, is a is a solid evolution of what they had without. Uh, going away from what I thought was still more or less a perfectly fine logo that has a lot of tradition behind it. Sorry, it's wrong. Uh, I was about to say you're, you're wrong. You're, you're wrong. It's, you're wrong. It sucks. You're wrong. The correct answer is it's terrible. Um, I, you know, I, I think uh, I actually don't think it's bad at all. I think it's uh, like you said, pretty safe. But I think they missed an opportunity to do something kind of special. And you know, I think there's uh, with the logo, I. I sort of think people are really attached to the Eagle. I think they just should have reimagined it completely. You know, I love the colors. I love the name. I think, uh, you know, it's been 20 years, whatever. I think it's just time for something totally fresh. But that's just me. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind the logo. My problem with it is the timing. Uh, why are you having a redesign now instead of in two seasons 
when you're moving into your new stadium because DC United released this new logo and they packaged it as a new era for DC United. The wings bursting out of the crest, symbolizing DC United bursting into its new... There's a lot of bursting in this logo. And and like to call it a new era is just hilarious because they still have two more years at RFK. They still have two more years of having to pay players nothing. there's absolutely nothing that's going to be new at all on the field next year, except for a slightly different logo. So for that reason, I feel like it would have made a little more sense to hold off a couple more years. All right. Correct. Uh, moving on to the stadium renderings, uh, man, I think I tweeted something about this today. I'm just going to start a blog called from rendering to reality (laughs) where it's just side by side shots of early stadium renderings, which like without fail look like, you know, the space station from 2001, a space odyssey. And then the later <laughs> renderings, which look a little bit more like map free stadium. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it looks like a nice stadium. I, it's, it's difficult, you know, it's difficult to stomach. I mean, the early renderings were so good, but I guess it costs so much money to build in DC that I think everybody sort of knew that that was never going to be the reality, you know, especially when the team has pledged to cover all of the budget overrun costs yeah. of the stadium. <laughs> Things started disappearing real fast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you guys... Oh, no roof? Oh, that's cool. Oh, Whatever. you wanted a yeah. scoreboard? Uh, no, yeah. we're going to do a manual scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Get Lewis Creighton up there flipping it. <laughs> uh, jersey, have you seen the jersey? I saw it. It's pretty, uh, pretty I, nondescript. I haven't seen it. It's just uh, black. It's got sublimated uh, sort of black and gray stripes on it. It's got three white stripes down both the sides, you know, the Adidas stripes. Yeah. And the new logo. Um, and, uh, you know, to break a little bit of news here, uh, actually, Adidas messed up uh, the initial jersey order for DC. This is a true story. Um, the Where it says tax station w- uh, with that representation on the inside of the, uh, of the jersey collar, that was uh, messed up. I'm really not sure how, but I think it was just sort of like reversed. You know, like the text was backwards. So, uh, so there go, I don't know, like two, 3,000 jerseys. What happened to the jerseys? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. I, I think it'd be a, a shrewd and, and smart business move for DC United to sell them as some sort of one of a kind. You know, like I got the Billy Ripken fuckface Fleer error card oh, yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Right, Remember right. that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It says it on his bat, right? Yeah, yeah, right at the bottom. <laughs> I read a great story in the Baltimore Sun Times where they like interviewed Billy Ripken, and he is not a fan of the card. He's just not a fan of it. <laughs> he wrote it on there. Yeah. But just like to know which batting practice, he didn't even know it was a baseball card photo shoot. They just, you know, they were like, hey, will you grab a, a bat and just pose for this photo? And he just ran to the dugout, grabbed any bat, and there you go. But he did grab a bat that said fuckface on it. He absolutely did. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah those, those DC United jerseys are probably being shipped to Africa <laughs> along with the the t-shirt of the uh, Super Bowl loser that says Super Bowl champions. Washington oh yeah, Washington football team Super Bowl champions. Yeah. Uh Amir, is that are those questions answered to your satisfaction? Yes. I got more. I got plenty more. Don't All right. Uh, <laughs> keep keep them coming. Uh Sorry, that was all unintentional. <laughs> go on about <laughs> go on about Lamar Nagel. <laughs> what do you guys think of Lamar Nagel, Patrick Miarko, and getting rid of Pontius? And also, should we keep Perry Kitchen? Uh, well, it's getting the, kind of pricey. 
uh, well, the, the Perry Kitchen wanna... thing is over. It's it's not happening. Just just kiss him goodbye. It's fine. I feel like DC United fans are like uh, like just people waiting for their ex girlfriend to get back together with them or something about Perry Kitchen. It's not going to happen. Move on. Uh, Pontius, great well, move. Uh, Pontius is a great move for all parties involved. I I think it is a little. I'm surprised that Philly picked up his entire salary. You know, um, but. I think they see the upside there, Chris. You know, I mean, had conversations with Chris where where it was pretty clear that he was ready to move on. It wasn't a you know no hard feelings against DC United, but I think he's had a challenging two or three years and just needed a fresh start somewhere else. I think Philly's a good fit for him, and I think you know the fact that they picked up his option and are paying him that. I mean, I'm sure he'll start. They're not going to pay Chris Pontius almost four hundred thousand dollars to the bench. So, Seth Thomas, anything to add? <laughs> Nope. Yeah, the 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 Pontius situation was just kind of, you know, it was time to to part ways both for him and for the club. Very very elaborate explanation, but yeah, there's not much to be said about that situation that I don't think. Yeah. yeah, that that hasn't already been said. <laughs> Anyways, uh uh I like the Lamar Nagel move. I think he was also a player who obviously was on the outs in Seattle, and I think he he gives them a little bit of speed and creativity, you know, that they're sort of lacking. Yeah, I, I think that Lamar Nagel is the kind of player that DC United fans kind of have to get used to over you know the next year or two as being like the the guy that they bring in the off season to help them. You know, he's not going to be a big MLS star. But certainly somebody who can contribute, certainly someone who can start. And um, yeah, I think that they, they, they exploited a situation well where he wasn't going to play that much in Seattle, but for a number of other MLS teams, DC United included, he would get a lot more minutes. The same is true for Nyarko. <clears throat> Nyarko, I think of anybody they've, got, they've picked up this offseason is the person I'm most curious about. You know, um, I think they've, they've been you know badly in need of speed on the wings for i mean realistically for years you know so um you know thomas i'd be curious to get your input on this i'm curious what you think all of these moves mean for nick de leon de leon uh, i think his status as an undisputed starter is in jeopardy like he he's facing more competition at those positions than i think he's had before but I think he's still a guy who Olsen trusts a lot and will be counting on for major like minutes this season. <laughs> Amir, um, Seth just uh, G-chatted me and it just says, get rid of Amir. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Amir, we really appreciate the call, uh, even if Seth doesn't, I do. <laughs> Thanks, Seth. True story, by the way. <laughs> it's, it is true, but it was nothing personal. It's Have a nice night, Amir. Want to, uh, you know, spit on the buried underneath a eight feet of snow. Trevor, Trevor, hang up on him. Hang up on Amir, please. All right. Um, Thanks, Pablo. No problem. I took care of it for you, Seth. Uh, uh, well, also the other thing was Amir was asking every question that we have on our outline for the rest of the show. So we are not going to have anything else to talk about if we answered every question right away. Thomas, uh, interesting question on well, interesting to me question on Twitter. Uh, which MLS team do you see? advancing and CCL of, of any of the four. So it's not going to be yeah, UC United. They're, they're all playing Mexican teams. So that's not exactly. good, right? 
Uh, so to me, uh, to me, this is like a, a make or break year because, it, you know, like if if no MLS team, this could literally be the year when all when every single MLS team gets eliminated in the opening round of knockout competition by a Mexican team. You know, I mean, I think it, it has a potential to be incredibly embarrassing to the six people watching. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to tell. I'd have to do a little more research on the Liga MX teams and what shape they're in to to judge on what chance the MLS teams have. But it's it's never easy facing Liga MX teams in February when the MLS clubs are coming straight out preseason. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's probably going to be bad. <laughs> you just take a screenshot. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tweet something out real quick. <laughs> oh, Paulo's producing a tweet, um, so I have to pretend that I even know who the MLS teams are playing in the CCL. It's like still a month away. Give, give me, give me a little bit more off season, okay? Yeah, no problem. Thanks. Uh, anyways, moving on with United stuff. Uh, Thomas, you were you were mentioning earlier uh, today that you still think they might need help up top. Care to elaborate? Yeah. So. Down the stretch last season, they really sputtered on the attacking side. They uh, were not overly threatening in September and October. And then in the playoffs, they were shut out over two legs, getting eliminated by the Red Bulls. And I wonder if Fabian Espindla and Alvaro Sabarillo are the forwards you want to go ahead with or if they need more help. I, I think the idea is that they have all these wide midfielders so Rolf can play up top, and that certainly boosts the unit a lot. But I, I wonder if a, a true striker should have been something on the offseason priority list that they chose not to pursue. And I'm Curious to see how that pans out. Maybe a Spindola has a resurgent season. Last year, he was derailed by suspension and injuries. Uh, Sabo was hit or miss after the midseason trade. So those guys still have shown flashes of being very productive. But I, I wonder with them on the wrong side of 30, if they are going to be as effective as the club is hoping they will be this season. Yeah, I still maintain I think their best forward pairing is Rolf and Spindola. I mean, I was just sort of chronically underwhelmed by several of you all year, but I don't know. Just my two cents. Yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely going to have to add an injection of youth because all of their forward options are over 30. Um, Connor Doyle coming back from an injury. Um, also, he's Connor Doyle. All that That is also a factor in this equation. Anyways, Thomas, it's just weird not having you here. We, we basically, both of us complete sentences and then just look at the empty chair. <laughs> you wait for the chair to say something and um, it just never does. You know what? Let's, let's roll forward to, uh, I mean, obviously, I think one of the bigger question marks, and this is a, a sort of a new question mark for DC, is their situation and goal. Uh, Bill Hamid uh, does his knee, if you will, uh, apparently out several months now, got surgery. Um, how how concerned are we that that Bill is just sort of an injury prone keeper? And follow up question, and this is what the outline actually says: Will Dykstra fuck up in CCL again? 
That's, Thomas, uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Poor, poor Dykstra. I, I think this season they can count on him. He's had He'll have had a full preseason not coming off an injury. And aside from that CCL um, you know, blunder-filled game, he's been steady for D.C. I'll also point out that Steve Goff at the Washington Post has been reporting that they are contemplating bringing in a veteran goalkeeper of whom several are available in uh, free agency uh, this, or this, having passed through the re-entry draft. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. 803, you're on open wide for some soccer. We can help you. 803, are you there? You're on open wide for some soccer. Here's something. 803, you're on open wide yeah. for some soccer. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Glad I wasn't uh, just spouting off. I didn't hear that for a second. Um, I just got off the phone with Amir, and he's got a list of questions he wants me to ask you. Is that okay? <laughs> sure, go ahead. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Uh, I do have two questions. One, MLS-based. Um, Tim Howard. Why would the Colorado Rapids think Tim Howard could help out just a really awful team? That's a great question. Well, I mean, if there's anything an awful soccer team needs, it's a great goalie. Can I ask DC United about that? You know, in, the, in their past, not not recent DC United, but there have been plenty of games that Bill Hamida's near single handedly won for DC United. You know, but does an awful soccer team need to drop the amount of money that it would take to get does Tim, Tim Howard, Howard on board? want? Does Tim Howard want to go to Colorado? Will MLS even entertain the idea of putting him in Colorado? These are all things that you know. I feel like Colorado saying they're interested in ML, or in Tim Howard is like me saying that I'm interested in Carmen Electra or something like that. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Carmen Electra. You just dated yourself. <laughs> My God. <laughs> you know, the girl from MTV singled out. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Wait, what? No, that wasn't even Carmen Electra. Wasn't that someone else? <laughs> Jenny McCarthy was also on that show. Yeah, there were two. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thomas, okay, you, gotcha. you're like 13. You did I, yourself <laughs> the other way. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else? So Tim Howard. I mean, I don't know. I said, uh, Thomas, what well, do you think of that fit? Uh, it's interesting. I wonder it, does Tim Howard have a friendship with Pablo Mastroeni that is at play here? Obviously, they were national team teammates for a long time. Uh, but otherwise, I'm not entirely sure why Howard, who's still you know, uh, at least a a player capable of competing for a comp- for a Premier League job. Where you know this season at Everton, he's been hit or miss a bit, but he's a guy who signed a contract with Everton through the next World Cup, and I thought he had every intention of seeing that out. So I'm I'm very surprised by this news. All right, what's your other question? Um, non-soccer related. I was in D.C. a couple of weeks ago, and I got talked into going to Old Ebbets Grill, and just thought it was just horrific, high-priced food. So the question is: the next time I'm in D.C., what's a good sports bar to go to? Sports bar. Uh, Nelly's is a is a good one on U Street. Wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's Nelly's is good. What else? Um, is that not a rat bar. <laughs> no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. That, was that was horrible. I'm sorry. Uh, St. Louis-based rapper Nelly. No, it's actually it's actually a gay sports bar. But uh, what are some other it's, sports bars? Yeah, it's 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 more like a normal sports bar for like most of the day, and then like 
more towards the end of the night, it p- turns into more like of a, a gay bar. Interesting. Um, Seriously? Yeah. I mean, are you trying to? Are you just trying to watch soccer? Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, is that, is that the big, that's not the big soccer bar, Nelly's. No, no, no. You could, go to, yeah. uh, you could go to Lucky Bar, Fado, uh, The Pug, um, Drafting Table. Lots of bars around here show MLS, EPL, uh, whatever you want. What else is there? I don't know. Just go to one of those. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Or just just go to the Raven and just get drunk and just die in the corner. Um, I, don't, I don't mind lose in Columbia Heights. Lose oh, has a lot. This fucking sucks, man. What's wrong with this? <laughs> it's just. Uh, anyways, uh, we appreciate the call, man. Try any of those bars. Up. Oh, all right. Thank you. Sure. Stay safe in the snow. Will do. Um, all right. Okay. So, moving okay. back to uh, to Bill Hamid. Um, or are we done with that? I think we are done with that. Well, I I do think that. <laughs> The injuries have been more and more of a concern over the last couple of years. Um, you wonder if that's going to push him further off Klinsman's radar too. You know, that's always it. It seems like he. It seems like when he's, it's it's it always seems like when he's on the radar for a national team call up, he gets hurt. You know, or he has to withdraw from camp, or you know, feel bad for the guy. But it is one of those things that makes you wonder. You know. Yeah, totally. It seems like uh, Nick Romano's never hurt. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I. I you know he he hasn't really gotten much of a chance with the national team over the last few years um and most of that is just due to the nature of the goalkeeping position the US can only play one at a time but i believe the last time he played and thomas you can probably correct me was uh the the game against ireland which was when he like, got shelled when he got yeah it was a very bad performance for him ireland won 4 to 1 um and i don't think we've seen him since and that's been more than a year now that's right. He was called up for the November World Cup qualifiers, but didn't see the field. So he has not actually played since, uh, yeah, that match. And that, that was only his second cap. So he actually has very little national team experience for someone who's actually been in the picture as long as he has. I mean, agreed. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that was that was just a fact. Uh <laughs> Okay, uh, I've got I've got something for you guys. Okay. If we want to piv- pivot this back to a little national team talk, okay, uh, I think part- they're going to ask us what we thought about instant replay in MLS. <laughs> I don't know if it, you weren't there. I asked uh, Don Garber about that and got a good good answer out of him. So yeah, look, they're looking to implement it in USL, correct? Yeah, for this season, MLS is planning to collaborate with USL. Not a done deal, but. It will essentially be a trial period. Okay, so back to the national team. We just posted a story at Goal.com in which Jurgen Klinsmann has responded to Benny Failhaber's comments. And the money quote here is he uh, specifically explains why Failhaber isn't getting called in. Quote, we had, we had Benny several times with us, and he never had an impact in the moments he had the opportunity with the national team under my guidance. I cannot speak for Bob, referring to Bob Bradley. Bob had his own experiences with him. Whenever he came in with us, he never made an impression that may us say, this is international level. It's as simple Ooh. as that. Oh. And there, there's, much, there's much more to that. Keep, keep, yeah. keep reading, keep reading Thomas. 
Do you want me just to read the entire article? Uh, <laughs> sort of. I mean, <laughs> it's over at goal.com. Uh, I'll, I'll give you one more. Do we look at Dax McCarty? Absolutely. Do we look at Sasha Question? Absolutely. Do we look at Benny? Absolutely. I think Benny had a very good first part of the season, then a not so good second part. We look at the players over a longer period of time. Do we look? So, do we look at Benny? Yes. Do we look at him and then not call him up? Yes. I mean, this is sort of the, the stock response to any players not getting called in. Like, yes, we're watching them. He's that's like one of Klinsman's favorite lines, right? Yeah. Like, we are always watching them at the clubs. We are, like, you know, also they, like we are in constant contact with them. They know we are on. They are on our radar. Yeah. Add that to the soundboard. They are on our radar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that was an exclusive interview. Uh, with Jurgen Klinsmann from Ivis Galarsep at goal. So if anyone wants to check that out, that's now up on our homepage. I mean, it's, this is exciting. Hashtag promotion. <laughs> promote it. Hashtag promote They've it. done a tremendous job. At goal.com. Thank you. <laughs> Hashtag promoted tweets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I guess that's not a surprise. I mean, you know, when, when Phil Harvard's complaining about not getting called in, I guess that's the response, right? Well, we thought about it, and then we thought that it wouldn't help us. So I mean, basically what he said know? is, Benny, I don't think Benny Philharbor is good enough at soccer, which, I mean, why did he think he wasn't getting called in? You which know what is, I mean? Like, it's because that's Jurgen Klinsmann's opinion of him. I mean... Well, yes, but I, I think that the the word out there uh, is also that Philharbor is a little bit of a prima donna, um, kind of tough to deal with, not a good locker room guy, and... Based on that, I think, and I, I think he's definitely made some bad impressions with Klinsman while he has been with the national team uh, in the brief Because time. I just see some other players slightly ahead of him. Right. He does. But when you look at strictly on-field performance, you would say Felhaber has got to be there, which is why I think there's, there's something else to it. And to I mean, elaborate on that, there's one more quote from Klinsman here that he he doesn't specifically address what you're saying, but alludes to the perception, as you mentioned, that uh, Fail Haber is a prima donna. Quote, the other picture is the personality, the interaction with other players, the chemistry, the giver-taker discussion we've had in the past. All of these things get analyzed by us, and you as a coach, no matter if it's a national team or club team, you want to develop the highest quality soccer team as well as the highest energy-driven environment possible in order to go through a long year with your team to keep them going. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, that's that's not even a euphemism. It's that's, not that's, even hiding it. I mean, that's an indictment, basically. Yeah, that's you know, yeah. an indictment of Phil Harbour's character, straight up. Right. I mean, he doesn't straight up come out and say Phil Harbour was a bad locker room presence, but you can piece it together pretty easily. I, I do love that as, as you know, American soccer fans have, I just think it's interesting to watch soccer fans in this country latch on to a player like Benny Philhaber as somebody who could really push the U.S. into a higher gear. You know what I mean? I just think that says a lot about where we are. Well, I do think that he has the kind of qualities that the U.S. is lacking at times on the field. He's a guy that can play that final pass that 
we've seen Michael Bradley deployed in a number 10 role and that's not his game and that's not the kind of pass that that Bradley can make and these are the kinds of plays that that Failhaber can make that's um, fair. Yeah. yeah uh Thomas uh anything else you want to talk about we're we're at the end of the outline here and uh and I'm just opening how, how it much up did we get how much did we get into the Perry Kitchen discussion? Do we think, based on the finances that uh, Steve Goff reported at the Post, that DC perhaps should have pushed to make him a DP? Or were they right to say, that's too much money, you've been a great player for us, but we're not going to pay that much, let him go? What, what so, were the finances, by I the mean, way? I, I think he wanted 450 or something like that. Okay. Yeah, um, uh, I don't... Yeah, that sounds about right. I I think uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that I I don't know that he's worth to an MLS team close to five hundred thousand dollars. But I, I'll also say that I don't see where DC United spending the money that they're saving by not signing him, and they probably have piles of I don't know Tam things like that that they could use to pay a salary down. They just cut uh, a lot of you know budget fat by by offloading Pontius. So I mean I think you know that they could have. In my opinion, they could have maybe overspent a little bit on him. I mean, I, I think the, you know, the statistic. I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with, but it, it's sort of shocking. I mean, like, D, since since Perry Kitchen has you know started playing for DC United, DC United has never won a game that he was absent from. I mean, that's I mean, it's like twelve games. You know, I mean, it it's uh, it's pretty indicative of of how you know important of a PC is for them. The the thing is, as important as he is, I don't know if he's DP level, but what you just said is a great point that I honestly hadn't thought that much about. They aren't spending a lot of cash on other players, and you do wonder if they have this targeted allocation money at their disposal, if he's a guy who they could have put that toward uh, and, as you said, overpaid a bit for just because they're not splashing the cash on anyone else. That that's a that's a really interesting thought. Yeah, the other thing from from Perry's perspective, it probably made a lot more sense to leave. Um I think he has been in MLS for a little while. He had been steadily sort of getting better and better as a player during his time in MLS. Last year, I think we saw him plateau a little bit. He's at an age where you know he's now you know 24 um it's really time for him to start to show what kind of a player he is and i think that he's done what he can do in mls and maybe it's time for a new challenge and it's definitely going to be a completely different situation having to prove himself all over again in europe where he's sort of been established as a surefire starter in mls for a number of years i mean i'll I'll say this i you know it was a contract year for perry last year and I gotta be honest. I don't think he had the best year. I mean, I think it was maybe one of his weaker ones in the past three. I think you saw even in 2012, he was pretty much their lone bright spot. I would 2013, excuse me, um, outside of Mead. And you know, in 2014, I thought he got better, got much better on the ball, more composed. And I think you saw last year um, maybe a little bit of a mental breakdown in Perry's game. I mean, lots of rash challenges, yellow cards. Um, maybe a little bit less composure on the ball. So, you know, I sort of wonder, I'm curious what you think, Thomas, I sort of wonder if that, that hurt him a little bit, um, you know, as far as maybe scoring a, a bigger contract with DC. I think you're completely right. I think 
he has been in MLS for what, five, six years now? And he's entering the prime of his career or is already in the prime of his career. And I don't know how much more he's going to evolve as a player if right now he's just the guy that he is, which is a hardworking ball winner who is going to be somewhat limited in terms of his distribution. And if that's the case, then maybe it makes sense for DC to not want to give him a DP level salary. Yeah, and I wonder, I wonder too, this is something I hadn't thought of, but how much Perry was limited over the years about, uh, you know, limited over the past few years just based on the system that he played in. You know what I mean? Yes, I, very true. So I mean, you, yeah. you we might see it. We might see a completely different player in Europe than we we've seen with Ben, and it, it certainly might be a good thing. And I'll say this is an extremely small sample size, but in his two caps with the national team, I've had moments where I said, "Man, I didn't know Perry could look that clean on the ball and have play with that much confidence." And and maybe that was a factor that he was. You know, being able to play as a cog in a different system, uh, you know, perhaps a new environment will do well for him. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and I think that we might have reached the end of our rope here <laughs> in our triumphant return to podcasting. We we promise uh, it'll be better next time. We right. really do. And next time, I believe on our current schedule will be like May. So we got some time to uh, clean it up. This is this is for Alexi Lawless if he's still uh, if he's still listening. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys next week or month or something. 